Welcome to Scream Talk, Emmy edition. And uh, this week, Michael Schneider, the executive editor of IndieWire, and Ann Thompson, that's me, the editor <laughs> at large, the movie maven turned uh, TV not expert, um, learning at the yeah. knee of Michael Schneider, um, <laughs> as it were. This, this episode, we're talking about all the, the, the top series, so we, we should also set up that uh, voting is over. Voting finished on Monday, so now it's just time to check the ballots, count the ballots, and uh, we'll find out in the coming weeks who actually uh, the victors are. So let's let's complete our uh, race through all the nominations by going through the, the big series. Uh, so, Mike, there, there are, like, how many members of the Academy are voting on these things? Like 23,000 yeah. people? Is that the, that's, something that's like about, that? That's, that's about right, yeah. And they're all over the place, and there's more crafts than any other thing. I mean, it, comparative to, say, the movie side of the equation. Yeah, on, I mean, on the movie side, it's all actors more than anything else. Oh, really? That's interesting. Well, yeah, if there were one branch that dominated, it would be actors. Yeah, well, there's so many branches at the Emmys, uh, you know, partly because there's so many more categories. So uh, there are a lot of craftspeople uh, in, in the mix, in addition to uh, above-the-line people. So, yeah, so so it's interesting. But, you know, not everyone gets to vote in every category. So. Aive. <laughs> so, so limited series. Um, what I find interesting about this category is the idea that the Academy could actually catch up with some of these shows because they don't have seasons and seasons behind. And if there's a lot of publicity, uh, say Netflix pushing Godless, then you could have uh, something you know catching up uh, with, say, the front runner all along, which was the assassination of Gianni Versace. And on this chart, which we're looking at on Gold Derby, which doesn't mean this is what it is. It's just what the odds makers in our field think is going on, or they, they're listening to the Academy members, or they're following the, the trends and the marketing and the promotion and everything else. They're suggesting that Godless, the Scott Frank Western, could be catching up with uh, the assassination of Gianni Versace. What do you think? Yeah, and I think maybe part of that is the Netflix marketing of it all. You know, the power of Netflix uh, definitely pays off. There's also movement uh, for some of the cast members, uh, uh, you know, who have, you know, more and more of a shot of actually picking up some awards. Uh, so you can't, uh, you know, discount uh, someone like a Jeff Daniels, for example. Uh, so I do think it's still Gianni Versace for the win, just because there's name recognition there. There was so much marketing at the time. Uh, people even know who Johnny Versace is the way they don't necessarily know who, uh, you know, who's in Godless or, or what the characters are in Godless if they haven't seen it. Uh, it also feels like, by the way, we were talking about this, Patrick Melrose is on the rise. I hear a lot of people talk about that these days, a lot of people catching up because they've heard such great things about Benedict Cumberbatch in that. So that's another one where because Benedict is on the rise, maybe Patrick Melrose is on the rise. That's a good possibility, and um, though there's been an enormous amount of publicity around that, and I think that um, if, if enough people hear that something's really good, and of course Benedict Cumberbatch is a huge star, uh, and the word on it is that his performance 
is like the best he's ever given. I think that's true. I, I was astonished by it. Um, so I could see that coming up really strong. Whereas the assassination of Versace, Gianni Versace, uh, maybe it's not as good as, as, as last year's uh, American crime, you know? Maybe it's, it's, it's really not as good as, as OJ uh, versus uh, America. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, OJ definitely was the, the the cream of the crop, and and it's hard to uh, replicate that. And so, you know, that that dominated. But I think that does have a halo effect for the American Crime Story franchise, and of course, it's, it really elevated uh, the Ryan Murphy franchise as well. So there's a little bit of that halo still uh, sort of impacting Johnny Versace and helping that be the front runner. But you're right; the reviews weren't as strong for Versace. It's popular, uh, obviously, but this is my question every single time is like, is it popular or is it good, you know? And that's I why that, I keep hoping yeah. that the quality shows, I mean, forgive me, but I do. I keep hoping that the Academy is going to reward the, the, the really high quality shows as opposed to the most popular shows. There is a difference. Yeah, I do think a lot of people did feel Versace had quality, but you're you're right. It was a different uh, kind of kind of quality i suppose and no and the re- no penelope cruz was great darren chris is a you know became a huge star off of this show and deservedly uh, you know it's a way big step beyond glee but uh the costumes were great you know god knows they went wild but uh i don't know it, uh, yeah. godless is a western it's on a big scale it's written so well directed so well that uh, jeff daniels gives one of his great performances and he always gives good performances one-armed jeff Daniels falling off a horse is is worth something, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Michelle Dockery with a gun. I mean, there you go. You know? Yeah, yeah. Lady Mary uh, gets tough. Well, I think I think Versace people appreciate the scope of it, uh, the ambition of of telling that story, and also even the the unusual choice of of telling that story and focusing on Andrew Cunanan and his murder spree. Uh, you know, isn't something you would automatically think would lend itself to a miniseries, but uh, but it did. And and you're right. I think people were surprised by Darren Chris as well, who they mostly know knew from Glee as a supporting player. Uh, you know, really stepped up a to the singer. Plate. Yeah. 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 And so. then, so the, the bringing up the rear, as it were, um, in this category, our genius Picasso, which of course had a great performance by Antonio Banderas, uh, and the alienist, which, uh, which is, is, you know, I was surprised it got nominated in the first place, frankly. Yeah, that that's a case of it was just you know an honor to be nominated. That was huge for Turner for TNT, but and the show's coming back for a second season now. But it doesn't really have a shot at at winning. Nor does Genius Picasso. The reviews were you know so so for that. But uh, I, I think most people appreciated Antonio Banderas more than anything else there. Okay, um, so then we go on to uh, the. Uh, <laughs> the next category, which is drama series. And I have to say, this was an <coughs> extraordinary field, you know, super, super competitive just to get nominated was a feat. Um, and, and I'm surprised if we move from the bottom, uh, surprised to see of all the shows that got nominated, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and in last place is Westworld. Really? Why is that? Uh- at least according to the odds makers over at Gold Derby, uh, you know, I, I can assume that it's, you know, partly because you've got two HBO shows here. Game of Thrones, by far the, the more dominant of the two. There, there was also some 
some some grumbling about season two of Westworld that that show's gotten so dense and so comp- convoluted that it's hard to to follow. And although That's for sure. the production is great, the acting is great. You know, Tandy Newton, for example, deserves an award for for her performance this season. The show as a whole left a Jeffrey lot of Wright people. Jeffrey Wright too. He was great yeah, Jeffrey, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the show left a lot of people scratching their heads, a little confused. And then, of course, there's also the the genre aspect of it. Genre is always a tough sell for, for voters, with a few exceptions. That would affect Stranger Things, too, I would think. And then I, I, I would argue that Game of Thrones escapes that, because just by the sheer scale and scope uh, and cinematic virtuosity that that series has always demonstrated, as yeah. if it was a series of two-hour movies almost. Yeah, every once in a while a show, a, a you know, fantasy or a sci-fi show manages to escape the, the genre stigma. You know, Game of Thrones, one example. Lost in its heyday was another example of the show. Somehow, like, uh, sort of transcended the idea of it being sci-fi, uh, but but most shows, when when they sort of are, are in that league, have a hard time uh, even getting nominated. So the fact that Stranger Things and Westworld uh, were nominated and are regularly nominated is is a huge feat. Well, and, they uh, have scale too. I mean, and they both have great visual effects, and they both have atmospheric sets and design, and yeah. and you know they all know what they're doing uh, to to get us where we need to go. But again, Westworld <laughs> ended up having us scratch scratch our heads and go, "What the hell is going on?" Which is not necessarily a, a it, it creates water cooler conversation. It creates the need to read uh, you know recaps, but uh, not yeah. not necessarily the best way to make a, a, an accessible show. And then there's the poor The Crown sort of dwindling down to fifth place according to Gold Derby. I love, you know, period, costumes, extraordinary performances, great directing from people like Stephen Daldry, Oscar winners, Peter Morgan, the most extraordinary writing. Uh, he write the whole, wrote the whole thing himself. And yet uh, I, I still don't feel the love for this show. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, even if it ends up in fifth place among, you know, hundreds of, of great scripted series, that's a pretty good record. But you look at the, the, the other four nominated shows and it's, it's hard to argue against them. So you got This Is Us, which, you know, is, is a, a different kind of show than the other nominated shows. It's a shows. network there's, show. <laughs> there, there's there's, there's a, a lot less gruesome, gruesome death uh, in this show than yeah, most of these other uh, nominees. That's what and, was wrong with Westworld. It was just like a killing spree for the entire season. Yeah, yeah, but that's true with a lot of these shows. Uh, but yeah, so this is us. It is including a, the Americans, <laughs> right? This is us as a network show. So there, there are a lot of people who are still rooting for for a broadcast show to to come on strong, and uh, you know, a lot of support for you know Sterling K. Brown and the rest of the cast. Uh, Sterling's uh, likely to win another Emmy for for best actor in a drama. So so the show will definitely get the love there. So, so well, um, This Is Us is, 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 a, is an okay show, um, uh, but I would think that Sterling K. Brown would be the person that would, you know, be the obvious recipient of the love in that situation, as, as opposed to the show itself. Yeah, yeah, and he is, and so he'll win, the show won't. Yeah. So and I think then, that, that's, that's how that'll be rewarded. And then the, the Americans is such an interesting case because it's the last season. This is the last chance. It's so resonant. It's so political. It's so uh, contemporary. Why, why isn't that in better shape as opposed to third place? Uh, I, I think because ultimately you've got two titans uh, battling it out for, 
for the the Emmy. You've got Handmaid's Tale and Game of Thrones, and both are previous winners. Neither has gone up against each other, however, until this year. So uh, it could be uh, it's it's kind of feels like a toss up at this point with with the uh, edge toward The Handmaid's Tale. Well, I love both of these shows, obviously, and so do a lot of other people. You have this TV Academy, you have this great group of people. Why couldn't there be a kind of intense uh, race to the top with a surprise emerging from the pack? Why is it so obviously these top two? What if they knock each other out and, and the Americans becomes the winner? I, you know, I, I suppose that that could happen. It feels feels unlikely, though, just because, the you know, there, there are enough voters for both Americans and I'm sorry, for, for both Handmaids and Game of Thrones that, you know, both could get a lot of votes, but one just gets more than the other one. Uh, you know, Americans, they're, they're, you, we have seen shows in the past that in its final season has, uh, you know, finally won the big award. Uh, you know, most of the time, though, by the time a show's in its last season, uh, the support has waned a this little bit. This one has picked up support, though, over the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's thanks to the fact that the you critics know, the love it. Years, yeah. yeah, the critics love it. The first couple of years, the the awards folks didn't really pay attention to it, and and you know that's thanks to the the critics, uh, you know, really banging the drums hard on the Americans that the the Emmy voters finally caught wind of it and finally picked it up and and made it a nominee. Uh, so, so that's made it suddenly a big contender, but is it enough of a, con- a contender to beat out Game of Thrones or Handmaid's Tale? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, well, Handmaid's Tale, I love, of course. And, uh, again, I would argue Elizabeth Olsen, wouldn't she be the most likely, uh, winner here? Why is it the show itself? It's, it's perhaps not as well reviewed in the second season as it was in the first. It was, it was extremely violent and grim. I loved it. I thought it was extraordinarily well executed, of course. But, uh, what if, what if that t- took it down a peg or two? Um, that's that's possible. Uh, you know, on the flip side, Game of Thrones has been off the air for about a year now. Uh, you know, the, this season uh, was was last summer, so it's been a while. There's a little out of sight, out of mind for for Game of Thrones. Yeah, they've been campaigning a lot, but um, you know, to to a certain degree. But uh, yeah, we've know, seen the ice dragon. We've seen some of the big battles brought back into into our minds, uh, you know, an extraordinary season, really. And, uh, but, you know, they could be saving their thunder for the next round, the final round. Again, it could be the last throws of Game of Thrones that will be rewarded in the end. Yeah, yeah, it still has time to, to, you know, one last shot next year. In the meantime, Handmaid's still feels relevant, uh, you know, with, with Me Indeed. Too. Time's up, and, and then of course, what's going on in Washington right now, and, and trying to curb our liberties and, and democracy in general. Uh, you know, Handmaids continues to be uh, almost a documentary. Unfortunately, <laughs> what's, what's going on? So, so. Oh, come on, Mike. <laughs> Not to get it's dark. True. It's true. <laughs> All right. So then we have comedy series, um, yeah. and this is uh, again eight shows vying, and if we start from the bottom. Uh, there's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Silicon Valley and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Any chance at all for these shows, Mike? No, I mean, the, these are shows that uh, I think everyone agrees their their best years are behind them. You know, it was great to see Curb return. It was, uh, you know, the, the first time for, for Curb to be back in, in several years, uh, I think seven years. 
uh, seven or eight years since it was last on. So, you know, nice to see Larry David and, and crew back, but it didn't quite have the same magic as, as, you know, it once did. And I think people have moved on a bit. Silicon Valley kind of feels the same way that that show has been, you know, sort of circling itself for a while. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's great years are behind it. Kimmy Schmidt is about to end its run, uh, and sort of the same feeling as well. So then you look at the top five, uh, according to Gold Derby, and you do have some great contenders. Uh, you've got Glow, uh, great show. Uh, Allison Brie, fantastic. Second Mark season, Aaron, yeah. Second season, uh, got a lot of glowing reviews, pun intended. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, when, when you look at some of the top contenders, you know, Blackish, uh, uh, again, a great show, well-written show, a broadcast network show. That's been the, around for a while. The only broadcast network show here. So there's, there's again, the broadcast support for, for that. Kenya Barris, uh, of course, uh, a, a, a writer, creator, showrunner on the rise, just signed a huge deal with Netflix. Uh, but then you look at the real contenders, well, in, Barry uh, is is a, a Barry. show that keeps moving up in the world. Uh, uh, I think uh, Bill Hader just did a great job, and and there are a lot of actors in the TV Academy that could certainly respond to the the acting side of this story, as opposed to the uh, assigned hit killer side. Uh, you know, he he's 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 a he's a great character though, and I'm glad. But that's a first time show, so I suppose it could build some popularity over over the future. Yeah, yeah, and that's partly, you know, because you've got real, you know, the top contender, Atlanta, of course, uh, which, uh, you know, Donald Glover just firing on all cylinders, uh, you know, creative creative triumph this season, uh, and, and of course, he's doing so much other things that he's constantly, constantly at the forefront of pop culture, everyone knows who Donald Glover is at this point, and, uh, you know, and Atlanta, you know, this is its second year, but of course, last year Veep was still in the running and, and Veep dominated. But but with Veep not in the running this year, this is a chance for Atlanta to swoop in and pick up the top award. The one spoiler you got is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I love this show. Uh, Amy Sherman Palladino and husband Dan have just done an extraordinary job uh, with this period New York, uh, rising female comic. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Um, I just, I can't see the show not picking up a number of Emmys, but I wonder if it can beat Atlanta. That's the question. Yeah. And I think, you know, voters may, may say, you know what, this is Rachel Brosnahan's year. They're going to give her the outstanding uh, actress comedy Emmy, but, uh, you know, and, and Donald Glover is likely to pick up the outstanding male uh, actor co- uh, in a comedy but uh, I think for the ultimate comedy series Emmy, it's it's all about Atlanta. Yeah, I, I feel it too. Um, and, it, and and not to put too fine a point on it, it is a diverse show. And the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a very white show. Very and, white show. So and, and so maybe maybe that gives Atlanta a, another edge. Yeah, yeah, representation. Uh, you know that that's that's a nice. Uh, uh, you know, thing to see Atlanta win the top prize, and and that would be huge for the Emmys, for for diversity, for representation, and uh, yeah, so so I think we can look forward to that. So I'm heading off into uh, fall film festival mode. I get to make the pivot <laughs> over to my uh, movie roots uh, and get back into what is the beginning of the Oscar season. 
Yeah, so are you excited? Uh, what what uh, what's, I am, I what's, am. what's so, the narrative? So what's happening is today is uh, sort of uh, Venice is on its you know has launched, and uh, you know the head of the jury Guillermo del Toro is uh, talking about uh, equal representation in the movie industry at, the, at his opening remarks. We're going to see Star is Born. We're going to see. First man from Damien Chazelle uh, with Ryan Gosling going up uh, into space. We're going to see uh, <laughs> I'm walking on the moon <laughs> as Neil Armstrong. Yeah. We're going to see um, uh, a whole lot of, of top directors and uh, Oscar hopefuls unveiling uh, there and then at Telluride as well. Roma from Alfonso Cuaron uh, goes back to Mexico City, black and white, digital, incredible immersive sound, uh, recreates uh, his youth in the 70s. Um, and he's, a, uh, you know, obviously the director of Gravity, not to be ignored. Um, and we have, uh, and, and we've got the, the uh, you know, the latest from Mike Lee from Paul Greengrass, uh, you, you know, the, the great auteurs. Jacques Odiar goes into English with a Western called The Sisters Brothers with John C. Riley and, and Joaquin Phoenix and Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, all sorts of good riches. Uh, you know, the, the final uh, assemblage of Orson Welles's uh, The Other Side of the Wind, which is a Netflix uh, project with a Morgan Neville doc uh, attached to it. Uh, lots of riches. It's, this is the kind of time of year when everybody's hopeful and hope springs eternal. I want to see the favorite, you know, which is Yorgos Lanthimos' period drawing room court comedy with uh, Olivia Coleman as Crazy Queen Anne, Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone as her uh, ladies-in-waiting. Can't wait to see see that one. That's going to be opening night of New York, which is after uh, Telluride in Toronto. Well, I'll look forward to all the coverage and also checking out some of the films as we head into fall. Thank you, Michael, for your extraordinary tutelage. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. It's been fun. And uh, now we'll sit back and uh, see who actually picks up a couple of these bad boys in the coming weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care.